0: Okay, so is it about actual drought or is it about politics down in Olympia? You know, there's stuff going on with water, lack thereof, things being hot, dry, you know, drought-related stuff. But at the same time, the actions of the state and our state's leader, our governor, Jay Inslee, seem to be inconsistent with dealing with a, a apparent uh, drought or drought crisis or drought emergency, whatever the official declaration uh, is now, because they weren't declaring an emergency. And then they were in some areas, but not in other areas. And I don't mean areas physically, but uh, different categories. It seems like there was more politics being played than actual concern about a drought and of course drought impacts farmers in a significant way Eastern Washington is a big concern. Some of these dry land farmers over there are really struggling um, with the climate conditions that we're running into this summer. Welcome back to The Farming Show, by the way. Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI News Talk 790. Joining me right now with the Washington Policy Center is Pam Lewison, the director for their initiative on agriculture. And Pam, you have been tracking this so much better than I have. Um, And you're in the thick of it over there in Eastern Washington. Washington, where things are actually really dry, as compared to here, where I feel some of the, I mean, I, I see that there's concern on the horizon for drought here locally, but it's not maybe as bad as some people think here in, in Western Washington. Certainly, cause for concern, but you know, the, the wheels haven't come off yet here. But, but Pam, you, you're feeling it over there in, in Eastern Washington, and you're watching what's happening. Uh, coming out of Olympia. And I've been sensing some kind of head scratching as you've covered this uh, on your blog at the Washington Policy Center.
1: Yeah, I think there's um, some interesting dynamics going on with the drought declarations as they have sort of rolled out over the last few weeks. Um, But we have to backtrack a little bit to mid-June when uh, both of our grain growing associations here in Washington state uh, sort of reached out to the governor's office and implored Uh, the governor's office to declare a drought for uh, the grain-growing counties in this state or the grain-heavy counties in the state, which are primarily here in eastern Washington, um, so that they could get some relief from the dry conditions we're seeing over here. And um, the governor's office kicked the decision over to Ecology And Ecology essentially sent a letter back to uh, the Washington State Grain Commission and the Washington Association of Wheat Growers that said, yeah, we're just not ready yet to declare a drought.
0: (sighs) And so... um, Are are there metrics that that set benchmarks for when these kinds of things happen?
1: You know, there don't appear to be. It seems to be some... I don't want to say arbitrary, but um, it seems like Ecology has a very... um, unusual system for what they want Mm. to say um causes a drought or not if if you say
0: arbitrary i'm this is just in my head i'm replacing that word with uh political um but that's because of my deep level of of skepticism some might even say cynicism about our washington state department of ecology but anyway i interrupt (laughs)
1: Well, I think uh, it gets particularly sticky that ecology declined to declare a drought at the request of uh, grain growers in our state when um, you shine a light on it that the USDA had already contacted Washington State and said, hey, we feel like uh, your lack of moisture in eastern Washington means that you do, in fact, have uh, an extreme and severe drought going on in your state, and your growers are eligible for federal so, drought relief dollars. So if- the
0: feds are beating the state to the punch. They're already declaring a drought, and the state at that point was still dragging its feet, even though they should be, you know, first line of defense. This is close to right. home. Yes, So bizarre. um,
1: it is bizarre. And, and what's more bizarre is that it took ecology about a year or excuse me, about a month, probably felt like a year um, (laughs) to respond to, uh, to the grain growers. And so about a month has lapsed uh, before they get this response. And that response comes back. And then uh, approximately a week later, the governor says, we have a drought in this state. Um, that's causing wildfires. So the grain growers can't have a drought, but our state can have a drought for wildfires.
0: Mm. Mm. Um, so The plot thickens.
1: Right. So um, I wrote a, a blog pointing this out and saying, hey, um, that seems like kind of a double standard here. You know, grain growers reached out to you all over a month ago asking for some relief Um, and you declined to provide it. And now you're saying there's a drought for wildfires, but there's not enough of a drought for grain growers. What's happening here? And interestingly, less than 24 hours later, magically, there's a drought for grain growers too.
0: Mm. Mm. Somebody's reading your blog in Olympia, Pam. I just got to say that. Pam Lewis with us, by the way, here on The Farming Show on KGMI. I'm Dylan Honkoop. If, if something is an actual emergency or if there are real things going on uh, on the ground affecting people, this should not be a place or a time to be playing politics. But as I say that, I think about our past over, you know, what, a year and a half now of political moves via COVID, etc. And a long history of playing politics with crises long before that. So I realize this is a real thing, but it still needs to be called out. Why would you be playing politics with a drought declaration that could help out some folks? So then within 24 hours, Pam, you're saying things happened. What's next? Did that fix the problem?
1: Well, I think what's really tragic about it is that uh, the grain growers reached out in mid-June, which um, would have provided them some relief on a state level because a drought declaration from our State Department of Ecology would have allowed for some things like emergency transfers of water rights. So um, just because the vast majority of wheat in particular in this state is Uh, grown in a dry land manner doesn't mean that the growers of those crops don't own water rights. And what they could have done is gone into their local DOE office and asked for an emergency transfer, seasonal transfer of their water rights from an adjacent field and onto their wheat crop to water it up, which would have saved a lot of people a significant yield. And instead, because there was a lag of 30 days or more, those crops, it was too late. It was too late for the wheat to receive water when we're talking about mid-July now. So instead of getting some water relief and the ability to try to get those wheat berries um, matured in the hull, what we're seeing now is um, dry land farmers in particular going out and harvesting wheat um, two weeks Three weeks earlier than they would have, mm. because the wheat's already dried down and ready to go.
0: Mm. How? Uh, what are you hearing as far as estimates of losses for the for these folks? You know, over here on the west side, we've been talking about you know anywhere from twenty to forty, some people sixty, in some rare cases mm. seventy or eighty percent losses on you know blueberries and raspberries. What what mm-hmm. are these uh, wheat and green growers facing?
1: Well, on average, uh, if you have a a decent year, dry land wheat can still average anywhere from 60, 70, 80 bushel an acre. Mm -hmm. Um, This year, I've heard rumor of some people reporting they'll be lucky if they get 20 bushel. Um, so And I have driven past some fields where you're seeing daylight between the stalks. I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. So, um, you know, it, it has the potential to be really devastating, even for dryland guys who are used to a pretty low yield crop. You know, we here in the basin, we're an irrigated area. We're blessed with surface water from the Columbia. Um, so it's not out of the ordinary for us to see 120 bushel wheat. But we're surrounded by dryland farms, and so we're well aware of what's happening outside of the bubble of uh, the irrigation districts. And um, to hear someone say, "You know, I'll be lucky if I get, you know, 40, 50 bushel wheat," is, um, you know, that's something that hits hits you kind of in your heart a little
0: bit. So possibly the biggest thing that these folks missed out on, it wasn't a handout. That wasn't exactly what they were asking for. They weren't just asking for an infusion of cash. What they were asking for was just uh, a little bit of flexibility in water and the regulations (laughs) governing the use of water. I think everyone should agree that our water resources here in Washington state, no matter where we are in the state should be going to where they're most needed and uh, being balanced that way. Um, But they weren't able to do that because the state was dragging its feet on an emergency drought declaration.
1: I think really what people were asking for was the ability to try, Uh, you know, farmers are, fabulous at pivoting and thinking on their feet and if you had a water right available to you or you had some other way to water up your crop uh, all you needed was the opportunity to try and to have ecology say well only eight percent of wheat in Washington state is an irrigated crop so we don't see how you could possibly have any option to try That's the problem. It's a fundamental misunderstanding of how agriculture is able to try.
0: Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI on your Saturday morning here with The Farming Show. Our guest right now, Pam Lewison. She's the director of the Initiative on Agriculture with the Washington Policy Center. uh, Talking about this drought situation and the political machinations that went into uh, whether or not the state was recognizing the drought and its impacts, particularly for farming in Washington state. Uh, Pam, by the way, congrats on that uh, great piece that you had published in the Seattle Times uh, recently, um, kind of getting in a real poignant way at this bigger picture that you're talking about of uh, understanding the world of agriculture and how that operates differently than bean counters and bureaucrats uh, often tend to recognize.
1: Oh, thank you very much. Um, I I think that um, what that op-ed points to really is that the agricultural community is different, and that we are a community of people who focus every day on having to get work done. Um, and it isn't about handouts, though. Funnily enough. Um, even though we, as a state, have declared for the a drought for the last five years at least, um, the Department of Ecology came uh, out shortly after and said that, you know, part of their uh, hesitancy to declare a drought emergency was that they only had budgeted three hundred and fifty thousand dollars for drought relief, which is absolutely absurd. Uh, drought we, relief
0: yeah. just for farming, or drought relief for anything in the state?
1: Anything in the state. <laughs> Uh, so, um, as, as we discussed previously, um, you know, <laughs> if it's me trying to be prepared as a mom and, uh, farmer, if, if I have a snowstorm that knocks the power out to my house five years running, I'm probably going to run to the store and pick up a generator. What I'm not going to do is continue to rely on candles and a, a flashlight to keep my house warm.
0: Ain't going to work. And if you you have the ability, you have the money in your bank account, if you, you know, to further this analogy here, Pam, if you have Mm -hmm. the money in your bank account, you have the ability to go to the store, you have the pickup to haul that generator home. At some point, Mm -hmm. if winter after winter, this keeps happening and that's all the better you prepare is candles and flashlights, people are going to say, you're crazy. That you didn't prepare well, you and yourself and your family for this situation that keeps happening over and over.
1: Well, not only are you crazy, but to a certain extent, you deserve what happens to you.
0: Yeah, but see, I mean, this this doesn't so, affect those bureaucrats that make these okay. decisions. Who it affects is the real people on the ground, and they end up paying the price. So, does the do the mm-hmm. bureaucrats deserve it? Yeah, but they don't pay the price in this drought no, they c- don't. scenario.
1: And I think ultimately what it means really is that we need a system, whether it's through ecology or somewhere else, where the agricultural community is allowed to govern everything that affects their farm to the best of their ability and have as little paperwork and as little interference from agencies like ecology as possible. Uh, You know, and the drought is a great instance of that. If every farmer who had access to water rights, had been able to walk in and say, hey, I have a USDA drought emergency declaration in front of me. That is enough for me to come in here and ask for an emergency seasonal transfer. That, and that should be enough. If the USDA wants to supersede our state and recognize <laughs> sooner than our state that we have a situation here that needs relief, that should be good enough for any farmer in the state to walk in and say, move my water.
0: Absolutely. And and, and and go ahead.
1: Maybe that's, maybe that's the lesson we learn from this situation. Yeah.
0: Well, I think your larger point, too, applies to so many things across farming and far beyond um, this issue of government. And hi, I'm f- from the government and I'm here to help. And this top-down philosophy that folks in those positions, I'm not saying there's some... And I've said this many times on this show and other shows. um, There's not necessarily any sort of crazy conspiracy. It's just baked in to people who are in those positions. Their job is to be the government and try to help, whether it's a politician trying to show, you know, get votes and say that they're helping or bureaucrats who are trying to save the world and do. And so it's not even necessarily from a bad motivation. But I'm leery anytime, even when, you know, times aren't dire and the government says, well, you know, here's an issue, Um, you know, what what can we do to help? Get out of the way is often my answer. Um, But that's rarely the philosophy that we hear coming from Olympia uh, because they feel like they need to help. It has to be a top-down thing. They're going to figure it out and they're going to tell us what to do. Um, in few, uh, communities, uh, than, you know, other than the, the farming community, is it more strongly felt the sense of independence of we're going to figure it out. And if things get really bad, we'll come ask for help. Otherwise, butt out and, and we'll take care of it.
1: And I think, but I think that, you know, goes back to the, to the op-ed I wrote and, and the ultimately farmers, generally speaking are a group of people who would prefer, because they know their operation, they know their land, and they know what it is they do day in and day out, that would rather take care of it themselves unless there is no other alternative. And that's where we need to have lawmakers who understand what it is we do. And it goes both ways. We need to be more proactive about reaching out to our lawmakers um, about what it is we do and why we need them to let us do what we do best, which is run our own farms and ranches with very little interference. And then the reverse is true. We need to have lawmakers who are open to listening to us and truly open to understanding what it is we do and why it's so important.
0: Pam Lewis and with the Washington Policy Center. She's their uh, director for their initiative on agriculture. She's also a farmer in eastern Washington in the Moses Lake area. Pam, we appreciate the good work that you do and the fact that you bird dog these issues. You follow them so closely and you speak out immediately when something stinks and that was certainly what was going on here. It needed to be called out and in your uh, effectiveness in calling it out, it certainly brought action pretty quickly. So good on you keep up the good work and we also appreciate you taking the time out of i'm sure your busy schedule to chat with us here this morning fill us in on the background of what was going on
1: well thanks for having me dylan i appreciate it